1: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 77, episode Paul Coffee, of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Mr. Nicholas J. Horwat. And there are only two teams remaining in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That is the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning duking it out for the Stanley Cup in the finals right now, it is one to nothing. Dallas Stars. A little bit later in the show, we have Clean Skate Podcast host Michael Farley joining us to talk a little bit about the Dallas Stars run to the cup final and his prediction on where he thinks his Stars will finish up in this series. But we also have a lot of Penguins talk to get to. Jared McCann signed in the past week. We're going to finish up our talk about all the Pens rostered players with the Penguins goaltenders and we're also going to discuss a little article for you by our very own Nicholas J. Horwat. and of course we always finish with Penn's poll and shout outs and call outs but that is all what is to come right now I just want to know Horwat, how have you been the past week
0: this past week doing good uh working a lot again uh I made wings all morning this morning for football that is happening as we record this but uh hey as of The moment of recording, the Steelers are up 17 to three. So
1: my guy Chase Claypool with the long touchdown catch for his first of his career.
0: Is he the number two wide receiver this year, and not Johnson, who I think we all thought it was gonna be? I feel like
1: there's no number, there's no. It's kind of like the Penguins' lines. There's no real numbering of it right now. It's just go out there and make plays.
0: And then whenever Deontay Johnson can't make a damn catch, Ben's gonna throw somewhere else.
1: Fair enough. He'll 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 pick it up. But this isn't a Steelers podcast. It's a Penguins podcast. Other than that. Why don't you say we get started with the Jared McCann signing? It happened later in the week. And of course, McCann signs a two year deal for $2.94 million on the AAV. What do you think of the signing first overall, considering the contract that he's getting signed to, to me, it felt like it's a little bit cheaper than I expected for Jared McCann. And it (laughs) makes me happy.
0: Yeah, I don't mind it at all. I mean, I think I was expecting it to be a little lower than almost 3 million personally, but thinking back on it, it makes the most sense. I mean, this was someone that we both said we should be re resigning. Um, as time went on, I was thinking, you know, if we sign him, cool. He has time to turn it around here. Cause we know he could probably do that. Yeah. He ended last season with 22 games without a goal, but we know he's a good player and can do things. Um, but if we get rid of him well, we can get stuff back for him because he's the kind of player that would demand some sort of return uh, and can definitely hop into just about any lineup in this league and be an immediate contributor. So as long as he can do that here, I love it. I think it's a great move overall. It's just a matter of where he's going to play now.
1: Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. As far as the actual contract is concerned, like I said, I thought he was going to command a little bit more money, but I guess – considering the climate of the nhl right now financially it makes sense that everybody's going to start taking a little bit off the top getting mccann signed for under three million i think is a very very important move for the pittsburgh penguins to make we mentioned already that the cap and trade showed up their top six right now they have seven nhl defensemen signed so yes they do still need to figure out their goaltending but this was really the big thing is signing back bottom six guys. You have Bluger, you have Tanev, you have a couple other guys in the system that could cycle through that bottom six or get healthy and play in that bottom six. But I think Jared McCann is a very important piece to that. And you don't want to give up on a player like McCann this early. He's young. And he really, to me, didn't get a fair shake as that third line center. He didn't ever get really good enough wingers or enough time I feel like to be considered to have a full shot at being that third line center. So you mentioned it depends where he's going to play. I think he slots in at the beginning of the year in that three C role. Now it's all about who are we going to put around him. To me, what do you think about where he might play at the start of next season?
0: I don't mind the third cent the third line center role, especially if we can't find someone else to put in there. Mm-hmm. I know Hikokoyu is going to hit the- hit the market, and at first I hit saw that and was like, you know. And then I thought about it again. It's like, no.
1: Younger and faster. Yeah. N- again, yeah. not things that we can say to describe Miku Koivu.
0: No. I mean, at first I thought, you know, a nice veteran presence. But then I remembered we're trying to get younger and faster. So if you were if would have told me Miku Koivu was hitting the open market last season, I'd have been like, hell yeah, let's take a shot no. at that. But, <laughs> you know, this season, yeah, it's not – It's cards aren't on the table for him. But uh, if we can't find a center, he'll slot in there. And as for going up into that position, uh, a guy like Sam Poulin might be able to fill in next to him, if not on the fourth line. I found out recently that Sam Poulin and Lagare have to make an NHL roster this year, or they're back to the Q. Mm -hmm. There is no AHL deal with them. I know we said we could send them to the A, but we can't. So there's Hmm. that. Um, So it's one way or the other with them. So if Poulin can make a, a roster spot out of camp... I think he could fill in nicely next to McCann. That sounds kind of fun. I don't know who would go on the other side exactly yet, but that's um, stuff for coaching staff to figure out. But for now, if we, McCann playing a third line center to start the season is nice. Assuming we don't find a center to cover for it. out of free agency.
1: Yeah. And you look at his last season. No, he did not finish the season the way he wanted to, especially getting benched for one of those playoff games or play in games. I should say, excuse me but he still had a very, very good season before that he finished. The problem being he finished the season on a 20 game goalless drought that really hurt all the momentum. He built up at the beginning of the year. I mean, he was on fire to start the year and one of the better players for the Penguins, especially with all of those injuries. I mean, in that season he scored, let me, uh, sorry, I tried to pull it up in hockey reference, kicked, kicked me out. He has 14 goals, 21 assists this year for 35 points and that's even considering the really long cold streak that he had at the end of the season as well as time that he missed for injury and COVID time as well and so in such a weird season he still produced pretty decent numbers so I feel like he needs a fair shake as that third line center
0: yeah even with it being a shortened season where he went 22 games without scoring a goal he's still tied his career high in points yeah. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he had a career year because in his – oh, pretty close. Yeah, 35 points this season. He had 35 last season. So we know what he can do here. He's got the ability to be a solid third-line position player, and he can play any forward position. He can play center or either wing, it seems. So this is a very this is a growing year for him too. This is a year where we're really going to see what he can become. He's hitting his stride and having him do it here under a pretty good price tag. This is a great signing. I think overall, like I mentioned before too, if we wanted to get rid of him, we could have. And if we still want to, it's an option because now he's at least locked up in a way. So if we're not impressed by his play partway through, um, next season, someone will probably take him. It's not like he's a super high cap hit where no one's going to be able to afford him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's well worth it, and it's a movable one. So it's a win-win either way.
1: This is a move that, like I said, when I first saw this move happened, I was not expecting it. The next thing that I thought was going to happen for the Pittsburgh Penguins was either a Murray trade or it was going to be some other cap dump kind of trade. I didn't expect them to be signing somebody, especially before the free agency period begins on October 9th. So this is something that really shocked me. But the way you look at it now, they got rid of $2 million of Nick Bukestad's contract, and they just handed it to Jared McCann, which I'm fine with. I am perfectly fine with that.
0: Yeah, it's all good. I mean, it's also really shocking considering literally the day before, two days before, three days before, all these rumors started flying out of, oh, now we're trading McCann, maybe. Okay, that's fine, I guess. It turned from hey, the Penguins might be testing McCann. Here are some good options to come back if that ha- if that does happen, to, hey, we signed him for two more years. He's going to stick around. So he's been in the news this week, and all it all coming up to a signing, it's a very interesting week for him, I guess. And <laughs> hopefully he can just be productive next year, and I think he's got that ability too. So, I mean, he'll be 24, 25, I believe. Um, He's young, fast, and Jim Rutherford said this is a growing year for him. This is a uh, they believe he's going to take a step forward and everything, so he just has to prove it now.
1: Yeah, and you said young and fast, where we mentioned Miku Koivu. Yeah, maybe not young and fast. No offense to Miku Koivu, he's had a great career, but that's exactly what Jared McCain is. So it would make no sense to say that you're trying to get younger, you're trying to get faster, yet trading away one of the guys. That epitomizes those two things on and off the ice and has done so since he came over from Florida. So congratulations to Jared McCann on getting that contract done. I'm looking forward to seeing him hopefully find some stability on the Penguins third line and be the answer that they've been looking for. Let's not let's not make him have to be a cult hero in Pittsburgh like Jordan Stahl or Nick Benino was. If he can just play steady as the third-line center, I will be happy. He doesn't need to be a 20-goal scorer. He doesn't need to go out there and score the biggest overtime playoff goals. He just needs to go out there, be steady defensively, and eventually put the puck in the back of the net, which he showed last season that he's capable of doing. So props to Jared McCann getting this deal done. Looking forward to seeing him here for the next two seasons. A good move on Jim Rutherford's part, and he still has some cap space to toy around with. Now he's probably looking towards wingers at this point, but who knows? Maybe even he tries to get around to one of the big trades that he's been fishing for in the media, just trying to drop little hints about. But while we're on that subject, let's move it over to our discussion about the Penns roster players. Let's go to goaltenders, and I know we're kind of breaking our rule here of not talking about players that aren't signed yet. But we got to start with Tristan Jari because as of right now, all signs point to Matt Murray being the guy that's getting traded away. So therefore, Tristan Jari, you would have to imagine, is the guy that the Penguins go out and sign currently in RFA. I think he's going to be the number one goaltender next season, and I think that's pretty cut and dry at this point. What are your thoughts on on what Tristan Jari this season, did this season, and where do you think he can go from here?
0: He blew a lot of people out of the water this season is what he did. Granted, the end of the season may have been a little rocky, but that's just – that's going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that happens with everyone. happened with Murray for a couple seasons, and Jari hit it, but with, that's okay. I mean, the way he made the – play or made the All-Star game, I think meant more to – I think the way he made the playoff game shows more toward how good he was than anyone else because – he wasn't voted in, but whenever someone got hurt, he was picked by the league, basically, to go in, which means they saw that there's this really good all-star caliber goalie that isn't already in, and we just lost one who probably was same, at the same, uh, same level, so they went out and picked him. So if anything, his all-star appearance means more than uh, Latang was the other one that went in, because he was voted in. So that's the way I look at that one, but... Going forward, with Jari is probably the smarter move. I mean, we've we discussed it many times already. We'll probably discuss it a thousand and one more before the season starts. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be fun watching Jari. It's gonna be nice knowing we have a number one starting goalie that's hopefully gonna be a little more consistent. I know we've had Murray for the past couple years, but we've also seen him just hit the rocks. Like, it's not what we've wanted to see from him, but. It happens.
1: Yeah, and consistency was really not a thing from from Matt Murray. Sorry, I, I had my mic on mute to look something up really quickly. But for Tristan Jari, yeah, we want to hopefully see him take over and be the number one guy. Wouldn't it be nice to get through a season without goaltending controversy?
0: Yeah, it would. I think the fun thing about this, though, is this was the first season in a couple years, I forget when the last one was, that we only used two goalies.
1: Yeah,
0: there was a a little controversy in it, but we didn't have to pull... I mean, yeah, Larmy came up for a backup role, but he didn't have to play. So he didn't have any stats calculated. DeSmith obviously didn't come up at all. It's the first time in a while that we haven't had at least three goalies play in a season.
1: Yeah, that's true. So I guess in in a way, it was mitigated controversy for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. But there was still a battle for the number one spot, and of course... What's going to happen over Twitter and everything is people are going to take a side and it's going to become a headache for everybody trying to look at the situation and and make a point about it. But this season, I would think Matt Murray probably gets traded. So Tristan Jari is the guy. I don't think there's a way Casey DeSmith pushes for that number one role, which we'll get into Casey DeSmith in a second. But like you mentioned, Tristan Jari, an all star he was 2012 and one last season with a 921 save percentage, a 243 goals allowed average, and eleven point zero seven goals saved above average. So a hell of a season for his first full-time stint with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then reportedly, the contract that he's asking for is about four million dollars for roughly two years, which right now the Penguins could swing that deal. They're gonna probably have to make a couple other moves because that would leave them with around roughly two million dollars in cap and that's not where they w- want to be with the self-imposed salary cap but that's going to be interesting to see because that's what it was reported asking for which is not bad especially when you consider his backup who will be casey DeSmith, is only scheduled to make 1.25
0: which is where he probably should be as well i mean casey DeSmith, we've seen it whenever murray was struggling can be a great goalie he can get mm-hmm. wins he can Sustain and hold on to saves. It's just a matter of his consistency. But we know he's not going to be a starter. We know Casey Smith isn't going to come up and battle for a first for the starting job. We don't believe, at least, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean,
1: I definitely don't believe he he'll be able to challenge that starting position.
0: <laughs> unless he pulls some bullshit, but I don't see it happening for him. Casey Smith is a great option as the backup goalie and. I don't know – I don't have his numbers from the AHL this season on me. I just – I'm kind of shooting from the hip with um, anything because there's it's hard to find numbers on our minor leaguers, especially the way Larmy had, saw all three leagues this year in mm-hmm. a way.
1: Technically, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's – his will be confusing. But as for DeSmith, I mean, he's hungry to get back in the NHL probably. That's for damn sure.
1: Yeah, and you look at the way that he played that – Last season that he earned that contract, he played in 36 games two seasons ago for the Penguins, and he, he didn't play horribly. He had a 916 save percentage and a 275 goals allowed average. So if he can pull that off in 35 to 40 games, that's exactly what you want out of a backup goaltender. And uh, just for a point of reference, last year in the AHL, he had 41 games played, 292 goals allowed average, and a 905 save percentage. And I know he got off to a really rocky start at the beginning of the season, so he kind of pulled his numbers up there towards the end. Uh, I like Casey DeSmith. I think he really needs to make sure he has an idea where his passport is before the season begins. But he's on a contract that is only $1.25 million for two more seasons. He's a good backup option. I think once he comes up into the NHL next year, he's going to do exactly what he did two years ago. He's a steady guy that plays to his competition. And yes, that hurt him in the AHL at first, but now I think... When he comes up to the NHL, he'll be ready to take in that role, and that's a big thing for somebody like Emil Larmy, who you mentioned last year. He spent time in the ECHL. He spent a cup of coffee in the NHL to sit on the bench for a game, which is fine. But he spent the majority of his season with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, splitting time with guys like Casey DeSmith or Dustin Tokarski, who was there for a little while. So hopefully, this year with the Smith gone and up in the NHL. Larmy gets a really good opportunity in his sophomore season to be the guy for Wilkes-Barre so we can really get a test of what this guy is all about and see him hopefully expand his game. And of course, this is all with the caveat that we have a Wilkes-Barre Scranton hockey season as the AHL is still unsure what their plans are, but we're going to try to hopefully think that it's all going to go well. And if, the AHL does have a season, that's where Emil Larmy will probably spend his time and his last year on his ELC.
0: And that's perfectly fine. It's a good growing year for him as well. Every goal he has got to get there, kind of start somewhere. The AHL is a hell of a spot for him to do it in. He's got to still adapt a little bit to the game, it seems. I mean, yeah, last year he came in and played. He played a lot of hockey, at least. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was between leagues and it's hard to get a feel for what you're trying to play with whenever you're jumping between the E and the A, because those are two vastly different styles of hockey. You know, you're playing in the ECHO and it's nineties hockey again. It's a little more gritty. It's there's gonna be I went to a Florida Everblades game with my mom and there was a line brawl. I had (laughs) never personally seen one in real life that I can remember at least. But a line brawl broke out, so we know that the E's still got a little edge to it, while the A is full of the guys that still have that grittiness to them, but also has these guys that are trying to prove themselves to be NHL players. So there's skill involved. So the A is a very weird melting pot of all that. But once you get you know to one or the other, that's when you got to start feeling yourself out. He needs to stay in a consistent spot to learn what he can be and for. Management and the front office staff to really learn what he can be. Um, as of right now, though, it seems like the team likes him enough to give him his dues and give him his shots. So going forward, we'll just have to see how he does it. You know, coming from uh, Finland, it's a bit of a learning curve still, but he's been here for a year. He's bought his car. He's, he's taken us on
1: his journey through
0: Twitter, and <laughs> it'll be fun to keep watching him adapt to – American life too.
1: Yeah, and he is a great social media follow, as you've probably mentioned there. Uh, with all the things you mentioned, you can follow him mm-hmm. on on Twitter or on Instagram. He's a, he's a great follow, so go check Emil Larmy out. But before we get into discussing your article from last week, Horwat, I love that you mentioned the ECHL because I have a soft spot for that league. I miss those days of growing up at the War Memorial Arena watching the Johnstown Chiefs of the ECHL. Brent Billado Dimitri Terebrin. Those guys were, I mean, that's how I grew up learning hockey. So I have a very big soft spot for the ECHL. But let's move on and let's discuss your article last week. what I hand you the reins. Take us through this crazy winding story and trade tree with branches and crazy caveats. What do you got for us?
0: So i I don't remember how I came, how I discovered this. I think I was just looking into something one day. I can remember where I was. I was on the second floor lounge of Pioneer, or, er, of yeah, Pioneer Hall, just <laughs> waiting for a class to start back at Point Park. I'm just flipping through something and I realize I'm like, no, er, Patrick Hornquist was traded with Nick Spaling, mm-hmm. who we sent to Toronto for Phil Kessel, naturally." And then I started digging all the way back and I was like, "This has been this trade tree has been going on since 2000." <laughs> And I'll dig into every little bit of it. I'll explain, like, where I started the article and everything. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you back in time real quick to the year 2000, where the RoboPen is our primary logo. Uh, The Penguins signed as a free agent Jeff Norton. Who? Yeah, exactly, Jeff Norton, who Mm. was here for a cup of coffee. He played 32 games, 2 goals, 10 assists. Not terrible for a defenseman. Um, In the year 2000. In the year 2000. Yeah. But... We didn't want anything else to do with him, so we tripped, shipped him out to San Jose in the year two thousand one for Bobby Dolas, who left as a free agent. It was his second stint in Pittsburgh. Doesn't mean much,
1: mm-hmm. but we.
0: But along with that trade, the Penguins got Johan Hedberg.
1: Hey, you boy! And I, think I, think I think I see the jersey behind you too.
0: Yeah, I decided to permanently have that one hung up. There you go. But, um, I think this is kind of where I really started looking into it because I was like, Johan Hedberg is one of my favorite players of all time. Reason why I'm into hockey. So Johan Hedberg joins the team. We know what he does. He has a one phenomenal playoff run. Ended the wrong way. He wasn't really ever a starter in this league. He was our starter mm-hmm. for a little bit.
1: I'd love to see a documentary just on Johan Hedberg's time in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization.
0: It'd be a hell of a time because he was 30 when he got here, I think. He was already yeah, old. Yeah, cause he, he wasn't he was, young. Because yeah, he was drafted by the Flyers. That's another thing to remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he played, you know, 116 games with us, 146, and then a 57 and 12 out of losses and ties, overtime losses, um, a 901 career here, uh, yeah, goals against average here. So, at one point, he led the league in losses, but you know that's fine. But hey, there league was still leader.
1: that's all you need to say exactly. But
0: <laughs> the some teams knew he still had potential in him, so we traded. Him to Vancouver in 2003 for a second round choice in the 2004 draft. Who? The Penguins selected Alex Goligoski. Okay. And we know how that went. I think I see where this
1: is going now. Yeah.
0: Alex Goligoski played fairly well. You know, 177 games, 23 goals, 67 assists for 90 points. Was part of the 09 Cup run. Kind of. He played. Yeah. In and out. Yeah. He played in, I think it was only two games of the Capital Series mm-hmm. that year. So he was there, got a ring at least. I don't know if his name's on the cup or anything, but he got a ring at least. Played fairly well here during his tenure with the Penguins.
1: Still playing pretty well as a member of the Coyotes.
0: Yeah, and he's had a hell of a career. I mean, can't fault the guy. He got the start here out of a trade from Johan Hedberg, right? Yeah. <laughs> but once his time was up here in Pittsburgh, we traded him to Dallas for two guys by the names of Matt Niskanen and James Neal,
1: the real deal, yet the one that doesn't change sh- or shampoo his hair, I should say.
0: Yes. Now Matt Niskanen had one good year with us, really. I think we were uh, all. We I were thought all, he was pretty steady. He was. He had that one offensive year with us. That's what it was. Yeah. We all thought he was going to be some big deal. Uh, well, we got rid of him to free agency, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> but James Neal is the real story about this one because this is where the Hornquist and everything that follows story kind of starts. So we pick up James Neal with that trade. We know what he does. And and about 200 games, 199, 19 goals. I'm reading the wrong line. 89 goals.
1: Oh, okay. I was about to say, (laughs) really?
0: Yeah. 89 goals, 95 assists for 184 points. And he was a dick on the ice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's a little bit of a dick off the ice too, but I mean, he's a hell of a player.
0: Hell of a player. He's, I want him to have a bounce back. It's wherever he ends up, if he stays in Edmonton or whatever. But James Neal did mean a lot to the Penguins for a little bit. Obviously became great friends with Evgeny Malkin
1: mm-hmm.
0: and became part of that firing line with him, Kunitz, and Malkin. After his time was done here is where it gets interesting. We traded him for Patrick Hornquist, who is still on the team today. We know what he's got. And hell, Hornquist might get traded at some point. This shit can continue. <laughs> <laughs> But we traded him for Patrick Horquist and Nick Spalling, who Spaulding was not exactly the main course of the deal that I'm going to say here, but he was a part of it, and that is important. Nick Spalling, along with Gasparri Kapanet, Scott Harrington, a 2016 first and a 2016 third, traded to Toronto in 2015 for Phil Kessel, and other names that really don't matter.
1: <laughs> Honest. Honesty is great. Yeah.
0: But Phil Kessel. What do we do with Phil Kessel and Patrick Hornquist on the same team? Two Stanley Cups. A couple of playoff runs. Phil Kessel uh, picked up his numbers. 328 games, 110 goals, 193 assists. We turn him into a playmaker here that he really wasn't in Toronto. Um, so a total of 303 points, but the most important one there is the two-time Stanley Cup champions. Yes, sir. That's just, This shit ain't done, though. That's the thing. Yeah, it's
1: still it's still going.
0: It's still going. Because what is. Now we're kind of more current day, modern day. We all know what happens after we traded Phil Kessel for Alex Galchenyuk. Oh, well, that didn't go well. Who did we get with Galchenyuk again? Oh, yeah. P.O. Joseph.
1: Our top defensive prospect right now.
0: So, where am I in the list here?
1: You're in Galchenyuk, I believe.
0: Yep. There's P.O. Joseph's name. That was obviously last year, 2019. But Gal- Alex Galchenyuk feel like we expected more, right?
1: Everybody expected more of Alex Galchenyuk, and it's unfortunate because of who he came back for that those expectations were that high, but yeah. he played decently with Minnesota, and he's a UFA right now. I, I don't want the Penguins to sign him, but somebody will sign him. Somebody
0: will, and he'll probably be decent again. But because he wasn't decent here, what do we do? Let's package him with Kalen Addison and a conditional first, whatever. <laughs> to Minnesota for Jason Zucker. And that's uh, kind of where we are today, that a Jeff Norton signing in the year 2000 all the way up here leads us to having on the same team Patrick Hornquist, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, and Jason Zucker.
1: Yeah, and then you also have to add on the two Stanley Cups and all that time with Phil Kessel too. So we a guy that we had no idea and still have no idea who he is 20 years later, got us two Stanley Cups. So are we saying Jeff Norton gave us two Stanley Cups? Jeff
0: Norton gave us two Stanley Cups. And the funny <laughs> part is, this isn't over. There's still what? two more things here.
1: Am I missing a couple olive branches here? One, that conditional first-round
0: pick, we decided to keep. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, what did, and then what did we do with that conditional first-round pick? Sent it to Toronto, for who we gave to Toronto in the Phil Kessel trade and Kasperi Kapanen.
1: Okay, wow. Along so now there's four names. players.
0: So now there's just, it's yep, it's kind of involved there. And here's the really fun one that I found out. I only recently learned about this one. Um, so Jeff Norton, right, where this whole thing started. Yes. At one point in his career, he played for eight different teams. At one point, he played with the New York Islanders. I believe it was his rookie season. Don't remember. Okay. He was put on a defensive line with Rich Pylon.
1: Fantastic name.
0: Yeah. Rich Pylon and Jeff Norton at one point got burned by Maria Lemieux. Jeff Norton and Rich Pylon are the statue outside oh. of uh, <laughs> PPG Paints Arena.
1: I've, I have no words right now. That I- was...
0: The best part of that whole thing, I thought. I,
1: yeah, well, of course, because there's a there's a 20 year timeline of trades and players in this massive, gigantic trade tree that ends with now two Stanley Cups and four current Pittsburgh Penguins. So this tree, of course, with four of them, if somebody gets traded, like a Hornfist you mentioned, this tree is going to continue. I had no idea who was even on the statue with Lemieux in front of PPG Paints Arena, but the fact that the one defenseman on there is also the guy that started this all 20 years ago. Holy shit. That is, I, I literally have no words at this point.
0: Yeah. That one is, I believe that's on Norton's Wikipedia page. I think that's how I figured it out. I just kind of Googled him and it popped up.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah. So That that is, um, who knows what, I mean, this will probably continue because like I mentioned, Hornquist is, being talked about uh and who knows what kind of future holds for you know zucker galchen or not zucker joseph or kapanen because things could always happen
1: two of those guys are still under the age of 25 so they have a lot of career left and uh, sure it'd be nice to see it all happen in pittsburgh but if it doesn't this trade tree just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and you're probably going to have to make an amended article of this in like 10 years if that keeps going
0: something like that eventually it'll probably come to an end but for now it's quite interesting and quite fun
1: well yeah it it definitely is and thank you for sharing that here on the podcast i hope everybody enjoyed that because as much as i did at least because i i I love that entire sequence i
0: will try and draw out a much more Legible version of this than I have written.
1: We can make a graphic or something, and put yeah. it on a. Yeah. Well, and that that'll work.
0: Yeah. So you can all see it. It's really fun. Uh, and really read the article. I'll tag it whenever this gets posted. Um, because it's really interesting to read as well. If uh, just knowing it starts from the Hornquist and Neil deal, and goes from there, and how it's still helping us out, obviously. Yeah. There's been highs and lows. Yeah, but I mean. Also let's think about it since we got since the year 2000 we've only had a couple of very very down years.
1: Yeah and they were all before 2005.
0: Yeah. Whenever the real kicker started with Alex Golagoski. Mm-hmm. From then on it's been playoffs, so. Yeah. We've gotten some good production out of this deal and more is to come, I believe.
1: Yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed how we turned the guy on the Lemieux statue, not named Mary Lemieux, into two Stanley Cups, Jason Zucker, P.O. Joseph, Sperry Kapanen, and I'm missing one, who I'm Patrick Hornfist, of course. That's just an insane tagline there as well. But we have more to go this episode. We have to continue trekking on after that. We do have an interview coming up right now with Michael Farley of the Clean Skate Podcast. We talked to him about the Stanley Cup finals and about the Dallas Stars, who he covers here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And then after that, of course, we'll finish it off with the pens poll and shout-outs and call-outs. But before that, let's hear a word from our sponsors at Manscaped. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light. so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you.
0: Hockey fights, lifestyle and tales from a first-round draft bust. We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
1: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we are being joined right now by the host of the Clean Skate Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network covering the 2020 Western Conference champion, Dallas Stars, who currently hold a 1-0 series lead in the Stanley Cup final. Welcome onto the show, Michael Farley. How's it going, buddy? Man, Western
2: Conference champions. That's got a pretty good ring to it.
1: Uh, I'm sure you're loving it up right now.
2: I'm having a great time, to be honest. I'm hoping we can get one more title here uh, before the season's over.
1: Yeah, and it's something that beginning of the season you had me on you were my first guest spot on the network so the first time I went on anybody else's and at that point they were 07 and 2 I think and you're like man this team just doesn't have it I don't know like I want to see them have it but I don't know and I was like no they'll be fine and look at where we're at now you're in the Stanley Cup final up one to nothing as well like cherry on top at this point so I mean is it fair to say that this team has surpassed your expectations this season?
2: I think that this team has blown everyone out of the water. I don't think you probably could have talked to all of the insiders, all the analysts and all that stuff, like talk to Brian Burke and all them. And I guarantee you, I don't think anyone would have predicted the stars in the Stanley cup finals. I mean, I think you look at Tampa and I think a lot of people had them, you know, in their brackets right up to the end and probably winning the whole thing. But I do the percentage of people that had the Stars here now, especially when, as you were talking about, they were, I believe they were, like you said, one 7 and two, one seven and one something like that. They were horrible. But right after that fact, they went on a 14-1-1 stretch to sort of recover their season. And, you know, it was sort of that whole thing this throughout the season. It, it was the consistency is whether or not what Dallas Stars team we were going to get on a nightly basis. And I think, you know, they had a the little bit of a break. It let some of the veteran players that maybe were a little bit tired, like Pavelski, Sekera, and Perry that we brought in at the beginning of the season, a little bit more time to rest due to COVID. And then they're able to come back. They're fresh. And you know what? We're starting to see consistent Dallas Stars hockey every single night. And that is what I've been asking for since the season started.
1: That turnaround you're talking about, I guess we'll just call that the burlansky bump then. Is that fair to say we'll just call it that?
2: i think so i mean like the chicklets have their thing but like they don't hold a candle to what you did for us
1: yeah exactly i sent them all the way to the stanley cup final but who's bragging here exactly But weren't they also just
0: going into the playoffs and like a losing streak too though i remember or?
1: right right when they canceled
2: the season they had lost five in a row
0: yeah so i Ooh. mean yeah they really t- even from the beginning of the season obviously they turned it around to be a playoff contender to me at the top four no less Yeah, I mean, they
2: were trending downwards at the end of the season. Like it was, it got to the point where obviously we didn't know it was going to happen, but it was like, oh man, are they even going to finish? You know, in the top three of their division? Like it looked for a minute, especially because Vancouver was starting to surge. It looked like the Stars might be fighting for that wild card spot all of a sudden, and they had been hanging on to that second or third spot the whole season. And then the end of the season, I was like, oh my god, these last 13 games, we're gonna, we're gonna choke and you know like it ended at the perfect time we played one game really well like and even to though to be fair like even in the like the qualifiers they didn't like the the round robin tournament they had the one shootout win over the blues to bump them up one seed but even other other than that they didn't look very good they lost to nashville they were shut out by uc saros in um their one like pre uh tournament uh game so like they weren't looking good going into this either they started the first series i'd say to be honest they looked their most vulnerable and like they played their most shaky hockey versus the flames in round one so like i said like they they really got it into gear really quick especially since they i wouldn't say they were coming in with a ton of momentum either
0: right i mean it's been a hell of a run so far i mean uh, who do you credit more for this for this run so far like is it the defensive core or is it more anton kudobin who's Come out of nowhere, almost.
2: I mean, how do you not say Anton Hudobin at this point? I mean, the thing—the thing that I—I I forget sometimes is he finished the regular season first in save percentage. I know he didn't play like he didn't. Play, I don't think he played fifty games. I think he played like thirty-five, but he he still finished with like a nine thirty save percentage in the regular season, which is just bananas for even Jeez. that that many games. Like I know it's relatively small comparatively, but like. 35 games to finish with a 930 as a right as a backup like that's that's pretty good especially on as I was saying a stars team that we didn't know during the rest of the season what stars team we were going to get so to see him come into this and, and Bishop obviously is made of glass and and never stay healthy um he's come in and without him i mean look what happened to colorado right they lost grubauer game game one and they were relying on francis and hutchinson to get them through and that's it's just not a recipe for success so the fact that he was able to come in and turn on god mode almost is like <laughs> incredible
1: yeah you mentioned Hudobin, and i'm sure he is definitely one of the front runners at this point for the Consmyth voting the Stars' defense has also been extremely good for them. You look at last night, they had a couple of goals from their defense score. They have 15 total in the playoffs, which leads the NHL. But who do you see as the leading Conn Smythe candidate for the Dallas Stars? So if they pull it off three more victories, who do you think gets it at this point?
2: I mean, if you don't give it to Hudobin, because I know there's like some like, do you give it to a goalie? Because listen, Hudobin's been lights out, but Hudobin can't be lights out without the the you know the contributions from the defense and all the shot blocking our forwards do, but con Smythe wise, I mean, if it's not Hudobin, you have to give it to Heiskinen. Um, the the dude is unreal. He's, uh, I believe, if I'm if I'm looking at this, uh, he is third in scoring of team uh, in players remaining. Uh, he's behind Point and Kucherov, and I'd remind you he plays defense and. Oh right so like there's that and i saw a stat here i think i have it let me see he uh he he's in some pretty elite company with the amount of uh yeah so he had right now he has let's see right now mira Heiskinen has 23 points okay that ties him for ninth with larry murphy for most points by a defenseman uh a little bit farther up th- oh that also ties him with a, a, another guy named ray bork
1: Oh, yeah. That, is that good? You might have heard
2: of him. I mean, if you want me to go up the list, the, the rest of the list is Bobby Orr, Brent Burns, Ray Bork again, Dennis Potvin, Al McInnes, Brian Leach, and Paul Coffey.
1: And this is for defensive scoring in the playoffs?
2: Defensive scoring in the playoffs, Yeah, Jeez. Like, that is...
0: Elite company. I'm, yeah, you,
2: you, you, yeah. How do you not give it to Heiskanen if you're not giving it to Hudobin? He is a one-man breakout machine. He does the little things well and then he just skates like the wind it is just been so fun to watch these playoffs
0: yeah i mean aside from watching Hudob in this postseason we'll switch off off of postseason and stanley cup stuff for a second but i mean from, he was from cat ah, words from anaheim Corey payer is a bit of a castaway it seems like clearly not producing anymore what do you think how do you think he's done this year with dallas and do you see him continuing with the team or what's going on with him after all this?
2: I mean, I think they like him. I personally, like if I'm in the GM chair, I don't bring him back just cause like you said, like he's starting to decline. He didn't have a good regular season though. To be fair, none of the forwards other than Dennis Gurianov and Rupe Hints, had good regular seasons. So like points wise, at least. So it's not like he was producing regular season and I wouldn't really say he's, producing in the playoffs now but his game is more tailored to the playoffs right he comes in he checks and he's an asshole like you hate to play against him i hated cory perry with everything i am until he was on the stars right so and i and i'm sure you know if he leaves and goes play somewhere else i will then return to hating him but like while he's on my team man i love all the dirty shit he's doing yep.
0: So win or lose this series, I mean, what do the off-season plans look like for the Stars? Are there any big deals or signings coming in the near future?
2: Um, well, I think the first thing they do, and I don't, I don't know if it's a great move, but I bet they lock up Pavelski for at least another like, I bet they sign him. My thought, my gut is like they sign Pavelski to like a three-year deal. You know, like just long enough to have him around for a little bit and to sort of rub off on some of the the kids that are coming in, but not long enough to where his contract is like an anchor or like we're regretting having like 39-year-old Joe Pavelski on our team.
1: Right. I mean, that would certainly be ideal for the Stars organization. I mean, who knows what Joe Pavelski is even looking for in an extension, but definitely as far as the Stars are concerned, that would be, be an amazing deal for them because He's been very good in this postseason as well. And then, like you mentioned, he could definitely be a good mentor for a, a Denis Gurionov, uh, a Joel Kiviranta, or a Rupe Hintz, who I know is your boy. So it would be, especially his off-the-ice antics as well. He's very, very calm, collected, and does the right things, both on and off the ice. So that's something that just the value extends beyond being the best net front presence.
2: in In these playoffs, like at this point in the playoffs, like, he's not even our net front presence anymore. Like, I know that's where he was so deadly in San Jose, but at this point, we're using him in these playoffs to win face-offs and block shots, almost. Like, the dude is a shot-blocking machine. Like, like you said, he does everything right, on and off the ice. Like, he's sacrificing it on the ice, and then he is, like, the pillar of professionalism off the ice. So, like, You can't, like, there's a reason why San Jose loves him so much and why most of the league, to be honest, really likes Joe Pavelski. Like, they just know what kind of guy and hockey player he is, and it's hard to not want that as a part of your organization.
1: Yeah, and we talked a lot already about goaltending. So I I do have one more question about goaltending for the Stars for you. What kind of tandem are you expecting next season? I mean, you would have to think, no matter whether they win the finals or lose the finals, you have to probably be bringing Doby back, right?
2: So Dobin, uh, Dobin's the only goaltending free agent we have at the end of this season. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I know that especially after these playoffs, there are going to be some teams that are willing to throw tons of money at him, but I mean, I would love to see him stay. Like he is, He's so much fun. Like, he's just such a fun character. Like, we're talking about – like, we were just talking about off-ice stuff. Like, I, I'm sure, obviously, now the Stars are in the playoffs. Some of, like, the, like the, the, the locker room clips and stuff are getting a little bit more circulation just through the mainstream hockey media. So, like, people are finally starting to see, like, what a fun – just, like, goofy guy anton budovan is like he just makes me laugh like there's some pictures of him like i mean if you guys remember in the first round of, of the of the playoffs against the flames when he had his helmet knocked off and he's laying on the ice oh, looking yeah. up like, <laughs> like like he's just got such like a clippable like memeable face and just like personality it, it's hard not to love him and the, with the way he's playing right now like how do you not bring him back
1: yeah it, it's And especially with all of the goaltending this offseason, too, because it's not...
2: In my opinion, i get rid of Bishop. Like, I know we've signed it. We've got him signed for another three years. I mean, he's going to be hard to move, though, because he's got, like, a modified no-move clause and and all that junk. And he's got a pretty decent cap hit at 4.9. And he's getting old, and he's never healthy. So I don't know, really, who would want to take a shot on Bishop. But if it's me, I'm getting rid of Bishop, I'm re-signing Hudobin, and then I'm, I'm going fishing in the crazy goalie market we've got this season.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned that because as I'm aware of, and I know some other people on the network are aware of, you're also a, slightly a fan of the Edmonton Oilers. And a big question there is going to be goaltending. So for one, do you want Matt Murray if you're Edmonton? And if not... Are you trying to get another goaltender here or are you running with Miko Koskinen?
2: Oh wow. Okay, we're we're asking Edmonton questions now.
1: Just had to throw one in there.
2: That's fair, that's fair. Um, I mean, I heard a rumor that Mike Smith might even come back. That's a big no no for me. Um <laughs> that that's a no thanks. If I I mean, I wouldn't be upset with Matt Murray. I think he's a decent goaltending. I think the biggest thing the Oilers need to worry about right now is um people other not named mcdavid and Drysidal scoring and you know keeping the puck out of the net at this point so right like we can put hell you throw like john gibson in there right you saw what happened with john gibson in the ducks right john gibson is a lights out goalie but if he doesn't have a team in front of him there's nothing he can do so, yeah. right, if the Oilers want to be good, yes, they need a good goaltender. But I think there's a few areas they address first before it. Because, like, Miko Koskinen is a steady goaltender. He signed for another couple more years. And if you go out there and you pick up, like, a – I mean, I don't know. Like, there's also, like, Markstrom could be on the market and stuff like that. Like, there's, there's some decent goalies out there. Like, I just – like, I think you wait. You shore up some of your other positions. Because if you don't shore up that and then you go out and get a goalie and be like, all right, now we've got our goalie. They're still going to be bad if the team's not good.
0: I was saying, are they trading for Flurry? Is that the move? Is that what's happening? That, like I
2: said, this goalie market is gonna, be, gonna not, be like weird, yeah. Right, like like I said, like Hudobin. All of a sudden, like his stock, you have to imagine, has gone just through yeah. the roof, right? Mm. So Hudobin's on the market. You've got uh, Bishop. Uh, no, not Bishop. Uh, Marshram on the market. Murray on the market. Uh, you've got Flurry on the market. Um, Henrik Lundqvist. I believe is Maybe. probably going to yeah. be leaving. I know that's not an elite goalie, but it's still, it's Henrik frickin' Lundqvist.
1: I mean, you got Brayden Holtby too. Holtby's so do you have...
2: exactly how can you forget? You got Brayden former Stanley cup winning Brayden Holtby, right? So it, mm-hmm. there's some like, there's some interesting moves for a lot of like some teams are going to look a lot different this season.
1: Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Well, this is Michael Farley of the clean skate podcast. Joining us here on the tip of the iceberg. We thank you for joining us, but before we let you go, we have one more question for you, and that's simply, what's your prediction for the rest of the finals, man? You got a one-zero series lead after a four-to-one Game One victory. Where does it go, and who raises the Stanley Cup?
2: All right. So I was a—I uh, don't know if I want to say trolling, but like the the Vegas nightly guys put out their whole graphic, and they they were asking <laughs> every everyone what they what they wanted. So I I went into the comment section to see what everyone you know what the the consensus was, and all of the comment section were. Tampa and seven, Tampa and six, Tampa and seven. So you know, I just had to go in there and just you know remind everyone that they also had the same prediction for Colorado and Vegas. Oh. Um, so it might be time to put some respect on the Dallas Stars' name. I'm That's saying fair. star. I'm saying stars and six
1: stars and six
2: stars and six all right i was i was at a birthday party last night and the guys whose birthday it was is a diehard lightning fan and they had the game on and let me say they were not happy they invited me
1: (laughs) being the menace to society there at the birthday party i'm sure you probably you might not get another invite back until the playoffs are over buddy.
2: i i I probably won't for
1: sure (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. I know you're in high demand today, so we won't take up too much more of your time. This is Michael Farley of the Clean Skate Podcast covering the Dallas Stars, the Western Conference Champion Dallas Stars for the Hockey Podcast Network. Before we let you go, just let them know what's coming up for you on the Clean Skate Podcast and anything else that you have going, and uh, plug your social media as well if you'd like.
2: All right. Well, I mean, obviously, with the stars still in the playoffs, I've actually got real hockey to continue to talk about. So, if you guys want to hear me talk about, you know, actual hockey that's being played, you can, uh, you know, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find my podcast, the CleanScape Podcast. And then, if you want to hear me yell about all of the really bad calls that the stars get called against them in this playoffs, you can follow me on Twitter at CleanScape Podcast.
1: Well, that is amazing. Everybody, go check them out. This is the one time I'll have to definitely make sure we get the recording this time. Unlike the last time we tried to get you on the show. But uh, once again, just thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me boys.
1: Once again, thank you to Michael Farley of the clean skate podcast for joining us on episode 77 of the tip of the iceberg. We'll have to see if his prediction of stars in six holds true throughout the next week but as we move along here and before we get to our pens poll and our shout outs and call out segment we have one more promo for you guys from the hockey podcast network this week's promo is from our toronto maple leafs podcast appropriately named not another leafs pod
0: are you at kenny
1: rogers now or no that's your no no no
2: no it's just my display name it's still at ken state bar but
1: is rogers your middle name so i don't even know
0: no, the, you don't know who Kenny Rogers is? The no. gambler? No. What? Well, I'm, I'm, a I'm a deer in headlights, buddy. I'm a deer in headlights. Anyways, Kenny Rogers, very infamous
2: country singer. And also just what the O-Dog has deemed my nickname. He just keeps calling me Kenny Rogers or referring to me in the third person as the gambler. So. O-Dog. He was roasting me the other day on overdrive on, uh, on Labor Day because I shot him a text message during the show.
1: No way. I have to say something kenny rogers i know you can hear this right now don't ever text me on my personal phone he just texted me and said i'm doing updates guy (laughs) i love it good man kenny he's in there working
0: (laughs) but he was roasting me on air man i was at work doing the updates and he was saying that i got the day off so i had to defend my honor not
1: another leafs podcast new episodes mondays on the hockey podcast network Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. As I said a little earlier, a thank you goes out to Michael Farley for joining us. As always, let's hope that these Stanley Cup finals provide some excitement like we had last year. It's going to be the last hockey we're probably going to see for a little while, and who knows when it's coming back. So let's enjoy it while it lasts. But as of right now, let's get into our Pens poll. This week, we asked you guys what is the biggest need for the Pens heading into free agency? Third line center came out on top with 50% of the votes. Bottom pair D-Man was in second place at 38% and a bottom six winger finished with 12% of the votes. And as we mentioned earlier, we believe that the Penguins just fixed their third line center issues by signing Jared McCann.
0: Yeah, it seems to be that way. Um, Because that's where he played in the playoffs. Obviously, couldn't get a lot of ice on that. But now he's going to have a season to work it out, uh, iron out some kinks if there are any. And if need be, move him around. We know he can play anywhere.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be something that going forward, as we mentioned earlier, if he has the time to go on there, he could turn into a really good third-line center for us. So after that, since we both believe that he's the third-line center, what do you believe the Penguins need to target more? A bottom pair defenseman or a bottom six winger?
0: think a bottom six winger i know there's a lot of work going into finding a defenseman but the answer might honestly be in pio joseph or some of the guys that we've been signing through Yusu ricola Chad ruido obviously and joshua maniscalco who's gonna probably start his season in the ahl are they gonna immediately pick up into the nhl no but they got bright futures ahead of them and the way to play this game in this league right now especially for the penguins is to get younger and faster Metascalco and rickle are guys that can do that right away i'd say so the defense might be figured out within our own organization already while the wingers we yeah we have options like i mentioned poolan earlier lagare who had a setback in his most recent um qm jhl season but there's drew o'connor and Um, other guys that we have that can fill in but they're not immediate fillers which is something we kind of need for right now I would say what we should be eyeing up is a third line winger now to kind of keep everything together keep it all flowing make sure we have NHL ready talent right now
1: it's interesting because when Rutherford said he wanted to be a player in free agency I thought that meant for a third-line center, which is why I voted that at the time when this came out last Monday. And then, of course, the McCann trade blew that completely out of the water. I feel like what the Penguins really need to look for in the free agent market is that defenseman. You said winger. I love Yusu Rikola. I love Chad Ruedel. But I still think they need somebody else out there to start the season. Maniscalco is not going to be ready. Not right away. He's not going to be ready. Neither is Cameron. I believe Cameron Lee is his name that they signed out of college, but I still think the Penguins need to go out there and get a bottom pair defenseman, especially if you're going to keep Jack Johnson on that bottom pair. You need a guy to play opposite of him to really try to minimize the negative effect that he has on the game. So to me, that's their biggest need. Yes. Bottom six wingers are important and the Penguins do need to sign at least one or two of them, but I think the more pressing need and the bigger need for your team to push them to that level of getting back to being a competing team for the Stanley Cup, you need a better bottom pair defenseman. And it seems like Johnson's going to be here, so you need to get somebody that can play with Jack Johnson on that line. And that's that's what I'm hoping they address come October
0: 9th. You have to hope so, and that's coming up fast.
1: Oh yeah, only a couple weeks away from the start of free agency. It's going to be a whirlwind of a couple weeks here before we get to that point. But before we close out this week's episode, as we always do, let's head over to our shout-outs and call out segment. Shout-outs and call-outs this week brought to you by CoolHockey.com. Go to CoolHockey.com THPN. Use the promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey. Horwath, let's start this week with call-outs. Let's start with the, the bad and the negative.
0: Damn, I actually don't have a call-out right now because I couldn't think of any. I feel like I had one at one point this week, so I'm going to divert to you real quick because I feel like I had one and just didn't write it down, totally forgot it. Oh,
1: come come on. You don't got to – my call-out – see, my, I have a call-out. Now it might just be you for not having a call-out. What, what's going on here, buddy? Can I buddy? take
0: your call-out if you do that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> my call-out this week is anybody who dislikes Doc Emmer, kind of on the same train as last week, anybody who disliked the movie Tenet, but people that don't like – when Doc Emmer calls hockey games, he is the voice of the NHL. Let's, let's not understate the fact that there's a reason that this man has been calling the Stanley cup finals for so many years. It's because he's the best guy to do it. And he is so great. And everybody's going to make fun of him whenever he just you know, randomly yells, Oh, paddleboard it away. Or what? One of the, one of his signature tropes like that. But like, I love Doc Emmerich. I think he is one of the top if not the top hockey voice in NHL history. And that is up there along the lines with guys like Mike Lang from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, I mean, anybody who dislikes Doc Emmerich, I don't want to hear any of your slander towards him because he is a gem for the NHL. So don't at me at that stuff. It's just, he, he's one of the greatest and I get irritated when people disagree with that fact.
0: Yeah. And I get it. That's I, I don't think I liked him for a little while just because, I don't know why, just one of those things I just didn't like, and obviously he's growing on me, obviously I've gotten used to him, and it's just the little things, I guess, that, those tropes that you hear all the time, you get used to them. It's a hard thing to get used to, I guess, whenever I was just a kid, I don't know. It's hard to explain why I didn't like him for a while, but I've gotten used to him, obviously, he's a huge pirate fan. Yeah. I'll give him that too damn, it's hard to be a fan of the Pirates because you know what? I have figured out my call. out. <laughs> I'm going to divert to baseball again because I did the numbers on it. The Pirates would have a record-breakingly bad season if it was a full 162. They had 15 and whatever right now.
1: They're the Detroit Red Wings of the MLB.
0: Yeah, they probably won't win by the time this comes out, so I'm sure my 15 wins and whatever it's gonna... losses is going to still be 15 and whatever. Uh, I don't know what... I just don't know what happened this season. I guess. I don't know if they were trying to lose or I think people expected more. There was a lot of hope going in hope. I guess. I don't know. There was a lot of weird.
1: I feel like it's hope for the future, not hope for this season. Cause yeah. if anybody had a hope for this season, they were sadly misguided,
0: Yeah, but there was just a lot of weird positivity about this season of, Oh, they're going to get at least 20, 20 something wins. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. And there's like a no. week left of the season now. And it's, not looking positive for a above 17 max win season this year. I believe if the numbers would have panned out whenever I did the math, at least they would have only finished with like 40 wins or at least that's the the pace they were on for whatever. It's not good.
1: That's a big yikes. I mean, the Pittsburgh pirates have, have long been, I don't want to say the laughing stock, but they've they've long been the laughing stock of the steel city. And as of right now, no matter how many early playoff exits for the Penguins, no matter how bad games for the Steelers or whatever happens, the Pirates are always going to be the stock because those other two teams you can point back and say, you know what? They won championships in this century, whereas the Pirates, they're...
0: We got wild cards. They, they got
1: a wild card victory and a couple of NLDS victories, and that wasn't even the whole series. It was just two games against the Cardinals. So... Hopefully that gets turned around because it, it it is sad to see how bad that team is run and how bad that team just is.
0: Yeah, it's a good Pirates team is a great thing for this city. Yeah. I mean, the year we were in the AL or not the AL, this the uh, the wild card game against St. Louis, we saw what PNC Park could be.
1: Yeah. Well, that that wild card game against Cincinnati was probably the peak of my Pirates fandom. Yep, that's and, the peak of
0: PNC Park so far, and it's 20 years.
1: Yeah, so that's baseball talk with Nick and Nick. Uh, let's go into our shout-outs. Horwat, do you have a shout-out this week? I do have week? shout-outs this week. There we go, making it up.
0: It's This week for me, it's Bill Guerin. He said, Ooh. He said we're going to make moves, like him or not, we're going to change this team for to win and win now. And by God, is he doing it. <laughs> he is saying Miku Koivu is not coming back he's collecting pl- collecting a buke stat from us he's signing brodeen correct
1: yes he signed Jonas brodeen
0: he is making the moves for this team in this summer and Minas- the Minnesota wild might be a good team this summer this next season if they are able to pull things together completely like they're definitely attempting to do and a new look and a new identity for the team. Player wise, you know, that could really build a good chemistry in that town. You want to see yeah. that team do well. That's like the pirates, you you wanna see the pirates win? You want to see a Minnesota hockey team do well.
1: Yeah. That that would certainly be the way to go. I wanna see how they figure out their goaltending situation before I'm ready to put any eggs in that basket. But I'm sure I guess, I'm
0: sure Darren will figure that out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he's been making all the right moves as of right now. Like but let me finish about off with this week. I
0: mean, there's going to be a goaltending market this summer or That's fall. true.
1: Yeah, and it is a buyer's market too, so they could get somebody for a little bit lower than market value. So that Hey, we'll see what happens with that like we said all the time in the past couple weeks. This offseason is going to be quite interesting. So keep an eye on the Minnesota goalie controversy as well. But before we close out, my shout out goes to Barry Goers. We tweeted about him Earlier last week, the former Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguin defenseman. He played four years in the Penguins organization. He competed last week on American Ninja Warrior on NBC. He did, unfortunately, fall on the fifth obstacle, which was the Ferris wheel, which, honestly, I'm not going to give anybody grief for losing on that show because that stuff is ridic- looks ridiculously hard. But he had a decent showing. He came out for his run with a Wilkes-Barre Scranton jersey, helmet, gloves and a stick and he of course he didn't run it with that, but he had a good showing and it was fun seeing a guy from the Penguins organization that used to play for the in the Penguins organization go out there on national television and uh, at least come close to moving on in American Ninja Warrior.
0: The Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins have some sneaky national television recognition. <laughs> Think about it for a minute.
1: Yeah. As a fan of The Office I understand.
0: There's that there's their little reference in the office and tux the mascot was in a mascot not documentary but one of those tv shows where they like follow around like a topic or whatever like a reality show almost tux the mascot was one of the featured mascots in that show i cannot remember the name of it
1: yeah we'll have to we'll have to post about it i'm
0: gonna bring it up while i'm talking about i remember him being on that but aside from that now he being on i can't remember his name now but he being on ninja warrior is impressive mm-hmm. man like that you look at most skill-based tv shows and you think yeah, that seems easy that's the one show you look at and you're like no not a chance no. it's that
1: easy no those people are physical specimens they are just completely and utterly impressive and his name his name was barry goers I'll, I'll say it one more time go check it out we posted the link to the NBC video of him his and his run. It's about six minutes into the clip. So go check that out. Do you have that last little tidbit before we go here?
0: Still trying to find it. Tucks the penguin. <laughs> it's going to take me a moment. I know he was in a show. It's going to drive uh, me crazy, though. But you can yeah, close that- it out, and then I'll come back to you.
1: Yeah, we'll close it out. If you don't have it by the time we're about done, then we will. uh, We'll just tweet it out and follow us at Iceberg Podcast, and that's where you'll find it. But uh, that is all for this week's episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. And unless you have it, I think we're going to call it a week. Believe it was called Behind the
0: Mask. I can't prove that he was exactly on it, but I'm pretty sure. Okay, we'll have to fact check you on that. Go for it. We'll have to fact check. There it is. Found it. Chad behind the mask tux wilkes Grand Penguins the AHL was on the first season it was a Hulu show that's why I was really confused figured it out that was a very splashy ending for me but hey I pulled it all in
1: well that's gonna happen that's why this is a magical show and you should tune into every single episode yes. but unless you have anything else I think we'll say goodbye nope I'm all good all right see you guys next week you can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwatt 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from. So please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.